Well, I don't know about you, but um, poetry is pretty amazing. Um, when I hear a good poet it's, or a songwriter, these are the people who can seemingly take everything I'm feeling or thinking and put it out and explain it. <laughs> and you listen to it or you read it and you go, yes, that's me. And I want to tell you, man, when I read those lyrics, um, the, word, the, the song is called Mansion, if you want to look it up. I, unbelievable. Vulnerability, truth in these lyrics. And it reminded me of a time in 1998. Um, I'd already been in ministry for 10 years. I was actually working on my Master's of Theology out in California. And uh, I was having a time of prayer with God. And I felt like I kind of had this image in my mind. One of the things the Bible says is that when Jesus, when we accept him into our life and we begin a relationship with him, that he actually rescues us from a dominion of darkness and he puts us into the kingdom of the son he loves, right? Well, if you watch any good movie during medieval times and think about a kingdom, so in my mind's eye, I was thinking I could just see God's kingdom. It was beautiful, right? I mean, all the trees are lush, and there's flowers everywhere, and there's fruit, and there's big white puffy clouds in a blue sky, and there's streams coming through. It's just, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And then, in the middle of this kingdom, I had kind of built my own little homestead, and I had put up some walls. And, I, and, and, and again, why do you put up walls? If you ever put up walls, there's only one reason. He said it in this, well, there's a couple reasons I'm going to share with you today. But in the words of the song, he said, this part of my house, no one's been in it for years. I built the safe room, and I don't let no one in there. See, the only time you build up walls is if you want to make sure that what's in here is safe, right? And so you're trying to build this safe place. So here I am in the kingdom of God, and yet somehow I still don't feel safe, so I'm building this, I pictured this room around me. And then, as I did, when I looked at my little kingdom that I was building, it was just, it was just ugly. The leaves had no trees on them. There weren't any flowers. If they were, they were wilted over. The, the river was just filled with sludge. You could kind of see the stench coming from it. And I felt like God was saying to me, how's it going in there? And you know what? It's so funny. And then I sense him asking me, would you like me to take down that wall? And it's weird because everything inside of me was like, yes and no. No. See, because when we have this wall around us, it's crazy. Somehow we feel like we're building a safer place, and yet that safer place is actually killing us. It's actually robbing us. And it's actually stealing from us. Fear, shame. So right here's, what, here's, what, here's where we're going today, right? The fact is that every one of us in this room, we have some stuff that we're ashamed of. We have stuff that we don't want anybody else to know because if they know, like the song said, because if I do, if I let you in, there's a chance that they might disappear and not come back. And I admit I am emotionally scared to let anyone inside, so I just leave my doors locked. And that includes God, So here's what's cool today. If you walked in today and you've got stuff that you're ashamed of, if you have things in your past that still haunt you and you can't forgive yourself for, if you've got stuff going on right now in your life that you're working as hard as you can to hide from everybody else, 
The good news today is that Jesus wants to come into you and say, I know. I know. So we're going to talk about this little room. is funny in first service. Dave said, there's one little room that's so important. And my wife said, is it the bathroom? <laughs> maybe, maybe it should have been, but it's not. We're going to talk about the hall closet. Can I just ask of you, how many of you have a closet in your house that you don't want anybody to see what's in there? How many of you have one of those? Please make me feel better. And re- okay, so we do. I actually was going to take a picture of ours and put it up on the screen, but then I'd probably be in marriage counseling afterwards. As, but it really is. We have this, this closet, and sometimes I open it, and it's so funny because it's right by our kitchen where everybody hangs out. And sometimes I get scared that somebody will come over and say, where is that? And they'll open that closet because I would be so ashamed because everything just gets shoved in there. What are you shoving down deep that you don't want anyone to see? What are you actually hiding even from God? I love this. Revelation 3, 19 through 20 says this. Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Now think about this for a second. I should have like hid that. Hide that real quick. Don't look at that. Don't look at that verse. All right, it's too late. No, because as I was thinking about this, if you're hiding stuff, because in this, in this verse in Revelation 3, it's the church of Laodicea. Jesus is talking to all these different churches. When he addresses this church, he actually doesn't say one good thing about them. In almost every other church, he has something good. He goes, man, I really appreciate this about you, but I got this I need to talk to you about. The church of Laodicea, he just dives right in and goes, you know what, you guys, I don't see anything good. He goes, you're lukewarm. I I really am about ready to spit you out of my mouth. And then he goes, but to those that I love, to those that I love, here's what I want to tell you. Every one of you in this room, you're loved by God. You're loved by God. And yet we hold this door, right? And he says, Jesus says, so man, Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we think, and I'm gonna smack you up for what you're doing. But no, what does he say? If you open up the door, I'm gonna come in and we're gonna have dinner. We're just gonna eat. We're just gonna hang out. How cool is that? You guys, this morning, if you will take your closet door, because I believe this morning, Jesus is going to knock on some of your doors. And he's going to go to the deepest place that you're trying to hide from him. He's going to go to the places that you're ashamed of. And I'm telling you, when you're ashamed, you don't want to let anybody in. But will you believe that if you'll open the door, he's going to come in and you're going to eat together? I tell you what, I don't know about you, I love the fact that Jesus says, it's the, in, in, in the Bible, fellowship, connecting with him, is always about food. Can I hear an amen? amen. Man, that's why I'm a Christian, right there. 
But it is. But what, what he's saying is food brings us together. And he wants to meet you there today. So what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk through four things that would happen even this morning. What would happen if you let Jesus in to your closet? What would happen if you let him in? Now, before I dive into those, let me just remind us. The reason we did this whole series is because Jesus told us that eternal life is when you know him. That's what it is. It's when you know him. But the only way that you actually can know God is you have to actually bring him into your life. The reason, again, that I know my wife Susie more than anybody else is because she has gotten into the places in my heart that none of the rest of you in this room have. So I know her because I've seen how she acts when she comes in to all the places of my life. So if you're going to know God then you actually have to let him in. You have to trust him. And so we've been looking at all these different rooms, right? And so today we're going to say this. If you're going to really know God, if you really want to experience eternal life to its fullest, you've got to let Jesus into your closet, all right? Four things are going to happen if you do that. Here's the first one. If you let Jesus into your closet, he is going to expose your sin. He's going to expose it. Now, isn't that exciting? <laughs> you know? No, it's not, you bunch of liars. <laughs> it's not. When we, feel, when we think about being exposed, man, that's like, no, we, that's why we're hiding. I don't want to be exposed. I can't help but think about my mom. When she was struggling with cancer, the last thing my mom wanted to do was to go to the doctor. She'd have these painful symptoms going on. There'd be bloating that was happening in her chest and in her abdomen. And we would say, Mom, you need to go to the doctor. And she's like, I don't want to go. Why didn't my mom want to go? Because she was afraid that if I go, he's going to tell me what's going on in here. So she would fight even going to the doctor, but all the rest of us were like, but Mom, if you don't go to the doctor, <laughs> you're not going to know what's going on. It's not, not going to the doctor isn't going to make it go away, Right? Like you sit there and you wish, well, maybe if I don't go, it'll just go away. It's like, no, it, Mom, something's in there. Please go. And so Jesus is saying the same thing. When he's looking at you, and some of you, you've got symptoms, man. You know something's not right. Something's not right in my heart. Something's not right in my soul. Something's definitely not right in my relationships. I can tell there are symptoms. My life is not full of freedom and life and joy and peace and God. And so Jesus says, then let me in. He goes, but if I come in, I'm going to expose your sin. Now, but here's what we need to remember, you guys. What is sin? Sin is anything that's the opposite of God. And so if it's the opposite of God, then sin isn't, it's everything that isn't right. It's what's not good. It's what isn't productive. And the thing about sin, if we keep living in it, eventually it, it gets destructive. And it, it is what destroys all of our relationships. It is what robs us of our peace and our freedom. Some of you today, man, your life is falling apart. Well, that's sin. Well, do you want to know why? So Jesus says, let me come in because if you continue to live in sin, 
That is separation from me, man, and separation from me. That's actually death. So he's just saying, man, if you let Jesus into your closet, he is going to come in. Now here's how he put it, John chapter 3, verse 19. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So in other words, here's what's so crazy. So you, you and I, right, we all have this stuff, and we're trying to hide it from who? Think about that. You're actually trying to hide it from God. And we think that somehow, if we can just kind of keep this apart, but what the Bible's saying is, finally, eventually, but the reason you don't want to do that is because your deeds are evil. And so you think you can hide them, but eventually, those who acknowledge the truth step into the light. Why? Because everything you've done has been done in the sight of He's not up there going, you did what? <laughs> right? I mean, he already knows. Now, why are we hiding it from him? I think one reason we hide it from him is this. Is, is, is sin fun? Come on, you. Is sin fun? Yes. Does it feel good? Yes. Why else would you do it? Does it even at times seem right? Yes. And so we get caught up in this. And so we don't want to let Jesus into our closet because one thing is if I let Jesus into my closet, he's probably going to tell me I can't do this anymore. Can we all just be honest? Let's be human here. If he comes in with light and exposes this thing and says, hey man, I can't have fellowship with you because I'm light and that's darkness. And those two things can't come together. Well, man, we just want to say that I don't really want to have anything to do with you. Now, let me just ask you. Let me, well, let me say this. I, I get this because in the world today, um, we really don't want to do what God wants us to do. And I, can I encourage you a little bit? If you're, if you're not a Christian here today, if you came with a friend or a family member or you're just checking out K2, you need to understand something. When you first, first engage with Jesus, if you actually open the door and kind of let him in, he's going to bug you. <laughs> he really is going to bug you because his ways are not your ways. But here's what I want to tell you. Who alone understands what really is sinful and what's righteous? Who knows? And what's crazy is we, we always, as humans, want to tell God. And that's why, so Jesus wants to come into our life, and we want to say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that's not that big of a deal. That's not a bad thing. And we start justifying our behavior with him. But I want to tell you, I don't know about you, but there are times when I just finally get to the point where I have to just admit, I don't know. I don't know, and I need someone who knows to tell me the truth. 
right? So let's take automobiles for a second. How many of you guys, when your car's not working, you open up the hood and you look in? You don't have any clue. <laughs> but it looks good, right? Can I just tell you, by the way, if you ever see me next to my car with my hood open, just tell me to stop it. Just because I don't know what I'm doing. It's just what a guy's supposed to do. But what I really need to do is take my Volvo, who wasn't working a couple weeks ago, to Herm's Volvo. Because Herm knows what he's doing. Here's what I'm saying. Almost every human I know, including myself, we like to argue with God about what sin is and what sin isn't. And many of us are telling God what sin is. And many of us are telling God, that's not wrong. And I just want to tell you this right now. If you're ever going to get healed, really, as a human being, you have to let Jesus come in. And you've got to humble yourself and admit you're human. And that you are not the one who created the universe. And you are not the one who established the foundations of the earth. And you are not the one who's holy and righteous in everything that he is. He's the only one who's perfect and righteous and good. So you got to humble yourself and say, come on in and expose my sin. Now, I want to tell you, man, here at K2, we, we say, man, we want to be a church that has reckless faith. And I want to tell you right now, it takes reckless faith. It takes absolute trust in God to be able to say to him, I am no longer going to determine what is right or wrong. I'm not going to do it. I am absolutely going to trust what you say. I'm going to trust what you say about sexual immorality. I am not going to come back to God and tell him what is right sexually. With money, I'm not going to do it. I am, when he says that this is what greed is and this is what money is for, I am not going to come back and say, no, God, that's not what it is. I am going to absolutely trust you, even though I disagree wholeheartedly with your sexual ideas. Even when I think your ways with money are ridiculous. Even when you tell me I'm supposed to forgive everybody and have no bitterness, do you know what they've done to me? See, we come back to God and we just go, I can't do that. That doesn't seem right to you. But if it's right to God, yes, it takes reckless faith to trust him completely. But here's what I want to tell you. If you let Jesus in, he's going to come in as the light, and he's going to expose it because he's a great physician, because he loves you, because he knows what is sin, because he knows what's stealing your joy and your peace, because he knows what's destroying your relationships, because he knows what's best for you, and he loves you. Let him in to your closet and let him expose your sin. Okay? That's the first thing he'll do. Number two, if you let Jesus in, he's going to absorb your sin. Now, sometimes we don't let Jesus in because we don't want him messing with how we want to live. There's another reason we don't let Jesus in. And that's because if I let God, if I let him in to what I'm doing, he is going to be so angry at me. He's going to judge me. He's going to condemn me. And I just want to tell you right now, this right there is one of the biggest 
lies from the pit of hell. This is one of the biggest lies that's keeping many of you in this room, Christian and non-Christian, not in intimacy with God. You don't want to let God into your sin because you think if you do, he's so angry at you. But you guys, can we, those of you who know, would you quote John 3.16 with me, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that those who would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you guys know what the second verse is? The verse right after that, John 3.17? So beautiful. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. He has no interest in condemning you. When you want to run from God because you're afraid of your closet and the sin that you've done in the past and the addictive stuff that you're doing right now and the behaviors that you're ashamed of, the last thing you want to do is you've got the bolt closed, man. Don't come in here, God. You're buying a lie because you think he wants to come in and just smack you, but it's not true. He wants to come in and eat with you. That's what he said, right? Come on, you sinner. Open the door. Open the door. I couldn't help but think of that, right? You guys want to sing with me? Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Someone's knocking. Come on. The door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Oh, do, me, do, do yourself a favor. <laughs> Open the door. Let him in. I had no idea Paul McCartney wrote worship. It's amazing. All right. Here's, look at this verse. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can you kind of do that again and just show him the whole verse again? If you let Jesus into your closet, into your hidden pornography, into your drunkenness, into your rage, into your bitterness, if you let him in to whatever it is that you're scared to death to let him into, can you, I'm sorry, go back. He says, God will make him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for you. Now go on. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. If you let Jesus in to your closet, he will absorb your sin. What does that mean? See, here's my life, right? I'm flailing around, I'm trying, I'm doing the best that I can. Is that anybody else's life? No, 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 no. That's my life. And it's yours too. So you wake up every morning, right, and you go, it! I can't do anything right. You look at yourself in the mirror and you're so frustrated. I'm making a mess of my marriage. My kids are going to have huge counseling bills. (laughs) 
And God says that he made him who had no sin. See, the cool thing about Jesus is there was nothing in him that deserved any punishment for sin because not one time had he ever said no to God. He took him who had no sin. And on the cross, here's what was happening. God made him sin. He took him who had no sin and he made him sin for who? For you. So on the cross of Christ, what was going on? It says that in his body, your sin, he took it and he absorbed it into himself. Because i got to tell you something. If you only enter church one time, please hear this. God will punish your sin. He has to. Because if he didn't punish your sin, then he would be unjust. Man, I'm telling you, in our world today, right? I mean, you look at the whole judicial system. You are, every person is looking for a just judge. You don't want a judge who looks at somebody who murders somebody or kills somebody and then just go, oh, but that's okay, and just let them go. No, you would be outraged. See, so you actually do want a holy, just God who's going to punish your sin. So you can just know the Bible makes it really clear. God is going to punish your sin. So the choice is he can either punish it in you for the mess that you made with your life, or you can trust that Jesus on the cross was taking the full punishment of your sin. He was made sin for you. Is that not cool? See, because here's what I do. Here's my trust, absolute, 100%. I'm banking my whole life on it. I'm banking my life that Jesus was made sin for me, that he absorbed my sin into his body and everything I've ever done wrong and every punishment I absolutely deserve for every person I've hurt and everything I've done against God, I deserve to be punished. But instead, it was in Christ and Christ took it for me. And because God has already punished my sin, he looks at me now and goes, I got nothing else to punish. So that, can you, sorry, can you put that back up there? Put the second part. He made him who had no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look what happened. Total mess down there. And that whole mess got absorbed into this. And now that's clean. You guys, if you let Jesus into every sin you've ever committed, he'll take it. He'll take it. And he's already taken the punishment for it. And then in its place, as soon as you put your trust in him, in its place, he gives you his righteousness. 
I want to tell you, man, that's the greatest news in all the world. And that's what none of us believe. First off, I got to believe it's actually sin against God. I have to let him expose it. But secondly, I just need to confess it to him and say, God, Jesus, I accept you. He says, believe in me and receive me. And you will be saved, man. And that is what will happen if you let Jesus Christ. You will no longer have any condemnation from God towards you ever again. You can know that you're his child, and you can rest in that, and you can absolutely be free. That's the greatest news in all the world. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sin. So that's what he does, man. He absorbs your faith. Now let me tell you this, man. It takes reckless faith to believe that. It takes reckless faith to believe that. It takes ruthless trust. Because here's what's going to happen. All you Christians in this room, okay, who've already believed this, when you screw up again, there is a spiritual enemy. He's going to so lie to you and so make you think that you do all you deserve is God's punishment. There's no way he could have favor towards you. And the biggest fight of your life, reckless faith is saying, even though I know I'm a scumbag, and that's how I feel. I'm ashamed of how I'm acting. But I have put my trust in Christ. That takes reckless faith to believe that my salvation is not based on anything that I do. Nothing that I do. But it is based completely on what Jesus Christ has done for me. And when you put your faith in that, you are free. There's another great verse here that says, however, to the one who does not work, don't work, don't try to get God's love, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to them as righteousness. You are made righteous by what Christ did on your behalf as soon as you put your trust in him instead of yourself. I don't know about you. Anybody else want to stop putting trust in yourself? I'm done with that. There's only one person who's righteous, and it's Christ. And he wants to give it to you. So, let Jesus into your closet. He'll expose your sin, because he loves you. And he'll absorb your sin, because he loves you. I just want to say two more quick things before we enter into our worship. Here's everything Jesus will do. If you let him into your sin, he will rescue you from your sin. See, the Bible says we're actually saved. This is for all of you in here who just feel stuck. You just feel stuck. I can't do it. I can't be anything else but this. He says, the Bible says you are actually a slave to sin, but that Jesus rescues us from that. Look at this verse, Galatians 1.4. Jesus gave himself for our sins to Rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Can you put up the first part of that verse again? Jesus gave himself for us to rescue us from, you guys, this is the good news. Check this out. From hell? Now, yes, by the way. He totally did give himself to rescue you from hell. But not just hell. He, he, he's actually gave himself for your sin. He absorbed your sin into himself 
so that if you receive Christ, he now gives you his righteousness. He gives you the Holy Spirit of God who now lives inside you who, so that you can be rescued from the present evil age. Does it make anybody else glad? You might be sitting there going, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Right now, every struggle that you're going through, Jesus was tempted in the exact same way, but he never gave in to sin ever. He never gave in to sin ever, which means he can give you now the power in this present age to rescue you from the dominion, from the power of darkness in your life. So this is what's great. Jesus doesn't just forgive you of all your sin and then just say, yeah, but keep doing it and keep destroying your life. No, he says, I'm gonna forgive you, die for your sin, but I'm also gonna rise from the dead so I can live inside of you to rescue you in this present evil age. Christian, if you've received Christ, the hope is that God in Christ, if you'll let him in, but you gotta let him in, because I'm telling you this, man, Christians and pastors, that's why I don't let you call me pastor. Because I'm Dave, who was given a gift to lead, but I'm just a guy struggling with sin. But Jesus, when I let him into my struggles, he can rescue me. He can rescue you from whatever it is that's destroying your life. Number, and then lastly this, he says, if you'll open up your closet and let me in, Jesus will destroy your sin. This is so cool. Look at this verse. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now let me just tell you something here. I've shared, I'm going to share this till the day I die. I've shared it here so many times at K2. Christianity, okay, is not a mental assent to something. It's not just believing that something happened out there. The Bible says demons believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and they shudder. Christianity is only real when your life is transformed by being born again of the Spirit of God. See, this is what's so frustrating to me because so many people say, well, I went to church and nothing changed. Well, great. You just went to church. Church doesn't save anybody. The only thing that saves you is you letting Christ absorb your sin, take it out, and then replace it with his Holy Spirit. See, now that's what he's saying here. So what he's saying is if you claim, by the way, he also says, if you claim that you don't have any sin, you're a liar. You're a liar. But if you are born of God, if you have received his spirit, right here, right? No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Why? Because his seed remains in you. You know what that word seed is? It's the word for sperm. See, what he's saying is, and I've shared this with you before, right? When my seed conceived with Susie and created Mariah, she's a new creation. 
when you put your faith in God, his very DNA, his spirit, is conceived with your spirit and you become a new creation. You now have the spirit of God inside of you if you're really a Christian. Not if you're a churchgoer and not if you're religious. That's why Jesus hated religious stuff. Because religion is human beings trying to be good. And he's like, well, you stop it. Because if you keep trying to be good, you're going to fail and you're going to get frustrated yourself. Instead, receive my forgiveness and receive my spirit. I've told you guys this a million times. It's not that I can't sin. The Bible is not saying you can't sin. The Bible is saying if you say you can't sin, you're a liar. What the Bible is saying, though, is once you're a Christian, Jesus goes to work to destroy that sin. He came to destroy the work of the devil, which means, and here's how I've said it all these years, it's not that I can't sin. I just can't enjoy it like I used to. I can't. I sin. I freaking hate it. No, I'm serious. Because I know that every time I do, I defame the name of God. Somehow I hurt somebody else around me, and I, my soul shrinks. And I hate that. But I can tell you this, man, the only reason I hate it is because he's in me. Because when I didn't have him, I liked it. And I just did it. But he rescued me from that. If you let Jesus into your sin, he'll expose it, he'll absorb it, He'll rescue you from it, and he will destroy it. Hey, Christian, seriously, investigate your heart here this morning. Are you claiming to have fellowship with God, but walking in darkness? He says, if you are, you're lying. And I'm telling you, the main person you're lying to is yourself. It's yourself. Open the door. And let him in. And that's it, man. The application today, because I want to tell you, here's some application for you. What does it mean to open up the door? I'm telling you, you as one guy told me, he said, you have to come to God unlike him. Can I say that again? If you're going to let Jesus in, you have to come to God unlike him. Most of us are trying to shine ourselves up and prove to God that we're okay and we get in front of God and we go, okay, I hope I'm good enough for him. He's like, oh, will you cut that stuff out? It's, it's, he goes, I, remember everything you've done? I've seen. Remember that part? So you have to come to me greedy. You have to come to me with all of your lust. You have to come to me with your bitterness. You have to come to, you guys, the only way to let Jesus in your closet is you have to just go. Jesus, I am nothing like you. And the crazy thing is, as soon as you're honest with the fact that you don't trust him, with the fact that you're mad at him, with the fact that you love other things more than him, as soon as you're honest, his grace comes. The application for today, what do you do with all this? You simply confess your sin to God. And then you believe what he said. He goes, I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you from everything that's not right. 
I'll come in and I'll have supper with you. I will come in and transform you. Any other effort will never result in the grace of God. So here's how we're going to do this. Jesus so wanted us to remember that it's not about us trying to do good stuff. He so wanted us to remember that he absorbed into his body all of our sin. So right there is communion. Right there, right over here, in these two places in the back. And here's what I want to say. If, 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 you would say, if you're not a Christian here today, um, if you've never, if you've, if you've struggled so much with this darkness inside of you, and you've never confessed it to God and realized, Jesus, God, I need you, Jesus, I need you to absorb my sin. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to confess my sin to you so that you will forgive me and cleanse me from all of that so I can actually be brought back to God. That's all you got to do, man. You just have to believe with all of your heart that he's going to punish sin and that you don't want him to punish you worse but you want to let Jesus be your punishment. Now, for all of you who are Christians in here, it's funny, my wife said afterwards, Dave, she goes, I think you need to say this. You need to know today that Jesus has already done this, man. He has come, and he has soaked up all of your sin. But can I just say something, man? If you are claiming to be a Christian, but you're totally involved in sexual immorality, you're totally involved in greed, you use all your money just for yourself, you're holding bitterness against somebody else. You won't forgive somebody even though Jesus forgave you. You got rage and you've got anger. You gossip, you slander. If you, if you just do those things and you have no intention of stopping, then in all reality, you need to just sit here for a moment and just go, man, God, I'm claiming to have fellowship with you, but I'm walking in darkness and I'm lying. No more. So what do you got to do? Just confess that to him. Have a great moment this morning. And then you walk up and you take communion. And when you take that bread, what did he say he wanted you to remember? He said, I want you to remember this is my body broken for you. Here's how I want you to remember today. This is my body that absorbed all your sin. That took it into my flesh and took on the sacrifice and the punishment for your death so that you'd be free. Can you guys do that today? You walk up here, you take that, and you remember that all your sin. But that's why you got to confess your sin. If he took it all away from you, then quit living in it. If you're born of God and his seed remains in you, you can't continue to live in sin. Can't do it. Today's your day to be set free from being duped that it's okay to live in darkness with God. And then you take that cup and you drink it down and because he said, my blood was shed for the forgiveness of all your sin. Come on, people. Let's walk out of here. Let's open up the door. Let's let him into the closet. Let's confess our sin. Let's receive by reckless faith his sacrifice on our behalf. And let's walk out of here free. All right? Let's do it.